0: Grace and peace to you this morning. It is good to be with you in worship today. As we gather, I invite you to take just two or three deep breaths, just a chance to center yourself in this place and in this space. Let us now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God.
1: Standing or sitting, please join me in the call to worship. We live in God's love. That will be poured out for all God's people. May we listen for God's call to love and serve. May we be of God's healing, hope, and joy. Praise be to God who calls, heals, and offers us peace. Mm-hmm.
0: You may be seated. Welcome. Welcome to worship at Westminster. If you're visiting with us, if this is maybe your just your first or second time with us, a special welcome to you. It is good to be with you today. I do invite you after worship into our Findlay Hall, which is just out these doors and to the left. We have coffee and tea and snacks and most importantly a chance for conversation, a chance to get to know each other just a little better. During the uh, offering, if you're sitting here in the center I'll invite you to take that register pad and put your name in it, and then you can pass it down the aisle, pass it back. You can take a look at who's worshiping near you, maybe greet each other by name afterwards. And today I want to give a special welcome to our guest, the Reverend Scott Quinn. You can read all about him here in the bulletin. Uh, He is our first in our series of guest preachers this summer, so Scott, welcome. It is so good to have you here with us. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, forgive us when we are too preoccupied to notice your presence in our lives. Forgive us when we walk through this world and fail to see the wonder of you undergirding our lives and all of creation. Remind us that you are with us always, abiding with, within, and around us. When our own personal demons rush at us with their troubles and demands, open our eyes to your presence, that we may lean on you. We give you thanks for upholding us in tenderness and love. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, hear the good news that in Christ we are forgiven. We are empowered to turn toward God. We are set free to celebrate all God's good gifts and then to share them in justice and in peace. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now as we continue with our time of prayer, now is the time when you are invited to share the prayers that are on your hearts and minds, your joys and concerns. Now, I'll start by acknowledging the Mother's Day holiday that we celebrate today. If this is a joyful holiday for you, prayers of joy indeed. Um, also, recognizing that this can be a challenging holiday for some. So, if that's true for you, then we'll offer prayers of comfort, prayers of peace. What else is on your heart today? Bruce? Yeah, two weeks ago,
2: I lost my good friend here in California. Yeah. Friday, I lost
0: my best friend here in California. Oh, man. So Bruce is offering prayers. Uh, he's lost two of his very good friends these last couple weeks, including his best friend who died just this past week. Prayers for you, Bruce. Elizabeth. I just want to celebrate all the relatives who are graduating from
1: college, yeah. post-graduate college.
0: I even have a nephew that graduated from mechanics school. So Nice. <laughs> Amen. So, Elizabeth is lifting up that it is graduation season, uh, her relatives who are graduating, and then all others as well. Uh, good time to mention the joy that next Sunday we are going to celebrate our Westminster High School seniors who are graduating. So, hope you'll be there to celebrate them as well. Yes? Oh, nice. Nice. It's a close game. Baseball playoffs only lost by one. Nice. Team, team played well with two doubles. Oh. Wow. So you were playing the best team in the league and you only lost by one. That sounds like a great game. What a joy. Yeah, Peter. So another sports joy, final game of lacrosse for Kurt. They, they won, and almost every, te- every teammate scored, which is fun. Yeah, what a joy. Yeah, Stefan.
3: Yeah, prayers for Lisa. Her mom passed away on Friday. Mm-hmm. We prayed for Thanksgiving for the mom and the team Montgomery. Uh, she had a short illness, but, you know, we had we the whole family. She got say goodbye to all her grandchildren, so it was kind of a nice
0: passing. Yeah. So, uh, Stefan's wife, Lisa, her mother died just recently last week. And uh, prayers of joy for her mom and joy that the family was able to gather and be with her. Yeah. So, Ellen, yeah. I had a wonderful joy since this morning. I got woke up from my son. So not only did I get a Mother's Day to but I got woke up from the in church. <laughs> there you go, a double joy. Uh, Ellen is... Um, uh, sharing the joy that her, she got a wake up from her son this morning. It was great to you know, have that joy of her son. And she woke up in time to be here today. So <laughs> wonderful. Anyone else? Yeah, Ruthie. I'm asking for healing prayers
4: and persistence for members of my office and a team. A
1: couple of my team members are really challenged by some mm-hmm. chronic health conditions. And it's, it's hard to do the work to um, advocate for vulnerable people and help you
0: along your Sure. Yeah. Ruthie's offering prayers for a couple of her teammates at work who are suffering from some long-term health trouble. So healing prayers for them. Let's have just a few moments of quiet, and then I'll lead us in the Lord. Did I miss someone? Carol? Sorry. so uh, Carol is lifting up that um, regularly throughout the year our congregation provides meals uh, to those healing at the Trans Heartline house Um, and we're going to do that again next week so she's lifting up the joy of that ministry Um, and it sounds like maybe lifting up the concern that we could use more food so see Carol if you want to help with that All right, let's be in prayer together let us pray Loving God, send your spirit upon us, light our path, that we may travel the road you have prepared for us. Help us break free from ideas that no longer bring life, that we may embrace the life-giving work of your spirit. And hear us now as together we pray the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father who art.
2: Thank you. I want to invite any of our children who are worshiping with us to join me here first. Our time of discovery, i have to show you a couple pictures, okay, so I think almost all of you are elementary school folks here, is that right, are elementary school,
4: preschool. well
2: they're preschool still, okay. <laughs> So, I mean, you look so old and mature. So that's why I assume that this was my elementary school. This is Skipwith Elementary School in Richmond, Virginia. It was the Cardinals, as you can see over here. And this is a Costco receipt, which is irrelevant to our conversation. But this is a hill where we would play a lot. These are the first grade classrooms here, and it's so funny because this doesn't look like a big hill, does it? I thought it was the biggest hill ever when I was in first grade. Maybe it's because I was so small back then. I was a little guy. But this is where we would play. We would play a game where you would run down to the bottom of the hill, or I'm sorry, everyone was at the bottom, and someone at the top would kick the kickball down the hill, up in the air, and then we would all wrestle and fight and eye gouge and do all the things you're not supposed to do until you got the ball and got back up to the top of the hill. And then we'd do it again. And then we do it again and again and again and again. And so, that sounds like fun, but how many of you think somebody would get hurt? Yeah. You know, I got hurt sometimes. Other people got hurt sometimes. And when people got hurt, guess what? Sometimes I got in trouble. <laughs> and...
4: Doesn't
2: yes, okay. I'm pretty sure everyone got to kick the ball down eventually, but sometimes you came home with scratches and bruises and you know, it was all worth it because you got to kick the ball down the hill. I so Yeah. So sometimes I would get in trouble and sometimes trouble would find me. Like I would get hurt and sometimes I would get accused of doing things that maybe I hadn't done. Sometimes I'd get accused of doing things I did do that were wrong. And sometimes I would just be in trouble. And there is this idea sometimes that we say God is out there, God loves us, but God has some, we sometimes think God has all these rules. So if I get in trouble, then what is Jesus going to do then? Is Jesus like, when I go to the principal's office, is Jesus going to be there like, Mr. Shankle, you should have known what you were doing. Like, what is he going to do? So in third to fifth grade... You're going to figure out, you're going to hear about what Jesus does when we get into trouble and when trouble finds us. What does Jesus do in those moments? But what does and, trouble find you when you get into trouble? I guess, you know what? Mr. Randy's a wise man. And he's going to have so much wisdom to share about that. Yes, Theo? Will you, going well,
4: like, to tell us some story about first guys so I can tell her about
2: it. <laughs> Maybe. Mr. Randy has even better stories of his childhood to share with you, I'm sure. But those of you in sacred stories, you're gonna hear about another kind of fun party scene that Jesus was a part of. And so, if you want to hear about that party or what Jesus does when we get in trouble or trouble finds us, we are going to follow my friends Grayson and Randy out those doors. They have signs that we re that we found again, so we can easily follow them to where we're going. And you can well, let's walk out together, okay? Go Oh, I don't want to
4: go.
1: Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Mark. Please listen for how the Spirit speaks to you through these words. They came to the other side of the lake, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke into pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountain, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. What? For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asks him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding. And the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned in the lake. This is going to be continued.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The continuation of our gospel reading from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, The fifth chapter. The swineherds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. The people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home, go to your friends, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. This ends the reading from our gospel. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be blessed in your sight, our creator, our rock, our redeemer. Sometimes I say or do something that's selfish, immature, or petty. And when that happens, my partner Herb doesn't get angry. He realizes that this is not who I really am and that I'm under the temporary influence of someone else's voice. The voice of my mother, Dora. (laughs) While I deeply loved my mother and cherished her, She had a gift for melodrama. And sometimes so do I. So in response to my drama, Herb speaks directly to that part of me and starts calling me by her name. Okay, Dora, thanks for sharing. And soon we're laughing together and I'm back in my right mind. And yes, when Herb says or does something that's controlling, rigid or cranky, I'll call him Ed by his father's name. In our scripture reading for today, Jesus crosses a lake. And as soon as he steps ashore, he encounters a man who is not in his right mind. He is possessed by that which is not his true self. Perhaps he's besieged by a mental illness, or it could be a response to trauma, or maybe some force beyond our rational framework has taken hold of him. Maybe all of the above. Whatever possesses him, he is suffering, self-harming, and is ostracized by his community. So let's contemplate just for a moment the symbolism of demonic possession. Being possessed by a voice that is not our true self, not who we really are in God. Each of us has a wound that is deep usually from early in life. If seen, heard, held, intended, that part of us can relax, be healed, be integrated. But if ignored, repressed, demonized, that wound gets deeper and gets projected outward, often unconsciously, as we speak and behave in ways that harm ourselves and others. We become possessed by what we have dispossessed. When Jesus meets the man, he speaks directly to the possessing voice. And the voice replies, why are you here? What business do you have with us? Leave us alone. Get out of here. The defense mechanism kicks in. But Jesus persists and asks the voice for its name. When something can be named, particularly those parts of us that lurk in the shadows, those things we hide even from ourselves, they can be recognized for what they are. Naming what is, is a starting place. It it creates relationship, and in relationship, healing can occur. We are people of God, made of God's stuff, brought into being by the voice of God. And Jesus speaks as that voice to those voices within us that are unhealed, to those thoughts, words, and behaviors that harm. They are part of us, but not the final truth of who we are. From the truth of who we really are, the core of our being, that God center within us, we can safely look at our own shadows, our own wounds that sometimes possess us, without judgment, and with God. We can take an honest look at what lies within, name and accept it, so that it no longer holds power over us, so that we can notice it without becoming it. And this honest look within sees not only our personal wounds but also the fears and prejudices of our society that we have internalized. So I'm not originally from here, I I grew up in Texas. And while there are many wonderful gifts of growing up in Texas, I can also still hear within me the echo of racial epithets and racist jokes that I heard as a child. And sometimes they surface up into my conscious awareness when I'm tired or fearful or agitated. And in those moments, I can either pretend that those thoughts don't exist I can shame myself because they still exist within me, or I can acknowledge the demonic, racist language for what it is and name it as a lie. Instead of ignoring it or judging myself, I open up and own up to what is going on within me. I allow myself to feel the discomfort and become vulnerable in the presence of God and centering down into the heart of God. There, love dissolves the lies. The work of healing hate in the world begins with our own healing. What unhealed places lie within you? What vestiges of old, toxic voices still echo in you? The fact that these voices lurk within our hearts does not make us bad people, it makes us human, flawed, and perfect. Each of us, if if we're honest, will notice the tug of fear or twinge of discomfort within us. We notice a subtle or not so subtle closing of our hearts. The question is not whether our hearts more easily open towards some people than others. The question is how we respond. Instead of pretending it's not happening or shaming ourselves for it, we bring our discomfort and our vulnerability to God. And in the presence of unconditional love, God love, we're able to face our inner demons. We notice where a prejudice has taken up residence. We ask God to open our hearts just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, until we become more like Jesus, like God's radical love in human form. Now in our Bible story, when Jesus asks for a name, the voice replies, I am legion, for we are many. A Roman legion was a unit of 6,000 soldiers. The demonic forces inside the man are many and varied, and a battle is underway for his very soul. Possession by false voices, battle for the soul, pain looking for a scapegoat is not only personal, it's also collective. It is legion in our nation and our world. Collective fear, grief, grievance, and anger, unhealed wounds, untended trauma are projected outward in a legion of harmful words and deeds. Racism, misogyny, transphobia, homophobia, Islamophobia, anti semitism the inner demons are cast onto scapegoats that are ostracized and demonized. Now in the story, the town folk ostracize the troubled man and feel good about themselves. Richard Rohr calls this the cult of innocence. The cult of innocence trains us to focus on maintaining an image of blamelessness and purity by demonizing and scapegoating. Rather than allow shadows to be dismantled and transformed, there's a doubling down on them in order to feel pure, right, good, blameless. In this cult of innocence, which has much of our nation in its trance, religion is is used to reinforce the facade of purity. Right now, in the name of Jesus, trans people are demonized, racism is whitewashed, Jews, Muslims, immigrants, and queer folk are ostracized, vilified, and even killed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we name this for what it is, the demonic voice of hate. None of this is of Jesus, of God, or of love. This cult of innocence Brainwashes, confuses, and possesses otherwise good folks, preying on their fear and grievance and their desire to feel good about themselves, which leads them to project harm outward while believing they are doing so in the name of love. Some of us have been on the receiving end of the cult of innocence. During my last year of seminary, in fact, the last month of seminary, I finally accepted the truth of who I am. I'm gay and it's not going to change. And In one sense, it was a big relief. No more angsty hand-wringing over my sexual orientation. It was now clear and it was liberating. And it was scary and frightening. I was about to graduate and be ordained in a denomination where my sexuality, if known, would make me an outcast and immediately get me fired. Yet I felt I had no viable options. I had put my whole life into this church. All of my life was wrapped around this church. So I prayed, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where else to go. I've trusted you to this point. Please guide me, help me, support me, show me where to go. I, I surrender to you, I I trust you. So I accepted a call to a church in a Dallas suburb where for five years I experienced what I call the agony and the ecstasy. The ecstasy of everything I thought I would love about ministry and did. And the agony of hiding my sexuality Lying about my personal life, hearing homophobic comments, and feeling like a total fraud anytime someone complimented me or we felt a connection. Because that voice in my head would say, If you knew the truth about me, you wouldn't feel this way about me. I was possessed by a fundamentalist theology that was tearing me apart. Through prayer, Therapy and the help of friends, I came to a place of peace within myself about myself. I came out to my parents, I resigned from the church, and once again I called on God to accompany me on a journey that I had no idea where it was going to lead down a path with no direction. Yet I knew that I did not go alone. And so I began down this journey toward wholeness into truly unconditional love, it just led me to be here with you today. Some of us have been on the receiving end of the cult of innocence. Some of us have been unwittingly mesmerized by it. Some of us have experienced both. And some of us experience being both part of the dominant culture and also a marginalized community, white and female, male and gay, native-born and trans. We live at a crossroads of privilege and marginalization. In a story, the healed man is at a crossroads, sitting calmly, back in his right mind. He wants to stay in the bliss and go with Jesus, and who can blame him? Jesus tells him to go home and share his story there and let all know how God has liberated him. If we go on this brave journey, face our inner demons, bring our vulnerable selves personally and collectively to God for healing, we do so in a culture that would rather not change. We interact with people, Sometimes our own family members who would rather scapegoat than face uncomfortable truths or face uncomfortable places within. Like the man in the story, we feel all this, notice all of this, see what's going on in our world, and we say, Jesus, please take us away, take us with you. In the Gospels, Jesus often tells people he heals to, keep it a secret, don't tell anybody. But... Why is that? Well, that's for another sermon. I'm sure Rob will take care of that when he gets back from his sabbatical. (laughs) But this man, Jesus tells him to do something different. He tells him to go, tell a story. Why? One explanation might be that the man is an outsider from the other side of the lake, he might not even be Jewish. At the very least, he's an outsider in his own community. And perhaps perhaps outsiders, those on the margins, those who have been scapegoated, have a particular calling. Perhaps outsiders understand God's love in a way that insiders don't because God's love is all they've had to rely on. If you've experienced being an outsider, Or if you identify as an ally who's working to heal false narratives. Jesus has a calling for you. Tell your story. Share who you are and what God is doing for you. Like Jesus, meet people where they are, but not as they are. Meet hate in its internalized sphere with a love that cannot be overcome. Name the demons when you see them while also seeing God within each possessed person. And when the status quo loving town folk resist, hold your boundaries and keep telling your truth with compassion, light, and grace. We need a spirit of strong, loving self-truth that can hold its liberation come what may. And for us, this is the voice of Jesus within us that names what is and liberates. We counter narratives that oppress and ostracize. We refuse falsehoods. We say no to hurtful speech and actions. And we seek new ways of living together in a harmonious thriving for all people and with our non-human kin. And we do all of this with strong grace with compassion knowing that we like everyone we encounter are a God work in progress so that's the call stay put stay in relationship stay in conversation Stay in solidarity with our sisters and brothers who are people of color, queer, trans, Jewish, Muslim, immigrants, and those demonized by the cult of innocence. Stay in put. We meet people where they are, but not as they are. We speak truth with clarity and compassion. We pray our way every day. Jesus, may your voice live, move, heal, and speak love's truth through us for our liberation and for the liberation.
0: You may be seated. Please take a look at the back of your bulletin to see what's coming up here in the life of the church. I want to highlight several of these for you. Uh, First, on Thursday, 7 p.m., we're excited to welcome Cantor Naomi Weiss from Congregation Kol Shafar. She's going to be here just telling us a little bit about her own journey in the Jewish faith, her journey to becoming a cantor what the heck it even means to be a cantor in the Jewish faith, because that's something that's very different from our tradition. So I hope you'll be here uh, Thursday at 7 to hear from her. Um, And then mark your calendars, June 4th, our annual church picnic. Our Congregational Life Committee is hard at work. They're going to provide all of the food. You just need to show up and eat and converse, and there's going to be some games and activities for kids over at the Corte Madera Town Park, so that Sunday. Come in your picnic clothes, come to worship to hear Rabbi Paul, and then just head right over to the park, and we'll have a lot of fun together. Finally, um, St. Andrew Church in Marin City um, is putting together Bags for the Unhoused this summer, Um, and they've asked us to partner with them specifically in providing deodorant and sunscreen. Um, So anytime between now and the first week of June. If you're shopping, you can pick up a couple extra things of deodorant and sunscreen. There's a box right by our diaper wagon. You can get diapers and deodorant and put them all just right there. Um, and uh, St. Andrew would really appreciate our, our partnership and our help with, with those bags. So as you are able, standing or sitting, I invite us to join in our closing hymn. It's number 542. Thank you.